Welcome to Changes in Latitudes, a Transgender Experience. A 40-something trans woman shares her observations, life stories, and the adventures of her journey through transition and beyond. And now, here she is, your host, Sabrina Miller. Yay! Hello! Hi! Welcome! Welcome back! Uh, episode 10! Alright, let's hear it for that band. That's Tyson Saner and the Behind the Scenes Band. Give it up for them! They get better every week. Oh yeah. Hello, everybody. Thank you for downloading and listening to another episode of Changes in Latitudes, a Transgender Experience. Well, here we are at number 10. We've reached double digits. That's, uh, that's kind of a small milestone. And for those of you who've been around since the beginning, thank you so much. For those just joining us, well, welcome. And uh, what a ride it's been so far in these first, uh, well, nine episodes, since this is 10. And... Uh, it's just kind of crazy. Oh, and for everybody in America, which is where I'm from, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving yesterday. And uh, I hope that uh, Black Friday today that uh, you're you know, listening to this or maybe you're listening to it uh, on Saturday after you're resting from Black Friday shopping. But whatever you're doing, thanks so much for listening. That's all I really have to say. I am Sabrina. I am the host, the creator, the editor. I am all of it. <laughs> That's me. Uh, today is uh, the main topic we're going to talk about is uh, laser hair removal. And I mean specifically laser hair removal versus you know, hair removal in general, because that's what I've experienced. I haven't experienced electrolysis. I've read up about it. I've heard people talk about it. So, I mean, I can give you that regurgitated information that you could probably find, uh, you know, on a simple internet search yourself. Uh, but for those that don't know, electrolysis basically... They take a very fine uh, electrode needle and they insert it into each and every hair follicle, which is essentially every pore where hair grows from. And they send a little uh, electric shock and basically cauterize the hair bed, the, the hair follicle. And the, the root, there we go, that's the word I was looking for. And so... It, it it kills it. It cauterizes it. It it kills the hair follicle dead. So boom, hundred percent, no more hair. Problem is, as you can imagine, if you do one hair at a time, then while while you're listening to this, take a quick look at your arm or like arm or hand or something. Maybe your leg. I don't know. Hand and arm is the easiest to think of. And just take a look. Just see how many different individual hairs they are. There are, and I mean the dark ones, the light ones, and everything in between. That's a lot of time, and that's a lot of little individual things of pain. And as I'm sure you could also imagine, it runs into a lot of money. So that's the number one reason why I haven't gone that route, um, mostly because uh, when I first started looking into hair removal, which, oh, probably... My curiosity peaked probably about 15 years ago, and I and I said, what is this you know, hair removal process? Uh, maybe that's something I will do. And uh, laser hair was still, laser hair removal was still new. It wasn't, um, long-term results hadn't really been uh, published. And so, I mean, it was working, but it wasn't what it is now. And so, and the big thing about laser hair removal is you'll do it now, and then maybe four, five, six years later, you're going to have to do it all over again. So at that point, I was like, well, I'm not going to waste my time, energy, money on that. I'll just, when the time comes, if I want to, I'll just do electrolysis. Well, since then, and like I said, probably 15, 20 years ago, maybe, um, it has totally changed. Uh, the process is basically the same, but the lasers and the uh, understanding of how it works and how hair growth happens and all those other, you know, science things behind the scenes, they've refined the process and it's better now. Um, and basically what laser hair removal is, is 
they take a uh, laser set to whatever frequency it is. I don't know those details. I'm not a nurse. It's not my job. (laughs) I just know it from the patient side. And they basically zap, and I'll use that term, you know, in the sense of like when I said uh, electrolysis, they put an electrode into the follicle and there it goes. Instead of one at a time, they take a little tiny patch. And a little tiny patch being, from my understanding and from what I've read, about the size of a, of a dime or a little less, a little less than a dime. So as you can imagine, versus one follicle at a time or a little tiny patch at a time, you get more bang for your buck with, uh, with laser hair removal. Um, now at this point in recording, which is uh, middle of November, I know this episode's out at the end of November and yeah, I'm a week and change ahead in my recording time, but just to stay on my publishing you know, timeline, I got to record these a little bit early, so, you know, whatever. It's nature of podcasts. Um, but at this point in time, I'm right in between my third and fourth session and um, of laser hair removal. Now, I signed up for a coupon through Groupon. Um, if you don't know what that is, Google it, figure it out. <laughs> I don't need to go into what that is. Um, and basically, I took the best opportunity at the time uh, in the sense of, the biggest discount, biggest bang for your buck in the Groupon, plus what I could research and find out about the locations that were doing it and talking to other trans women that I've met in the last six months or so. And the location that I chose uh, came regard- highly regarded. Their reviews on Yelp are good. They've been around for a long time. So I said, okay, all right, let's go that round. And and they do other things besides laser hair removal. I think it's partially a dentist's office, and I know there's other cosmetic uh, things like Botox and uh, collagen injections and mm, things like that. And at this point in my life, those don't interest me. I, they never have. They might in the future. You know, we don't know what the future holds for us. But as I sit here recording this to you, no, nah, I don't have any interest or desire for that. So, um, so like I said, I'm, I'm coming up on my fourth appointment in the next, uh, week and a half. And so, um, maybe I'll give you a little update on the next episode I record, which is uh, episode 11, uh, just to let you know how the fourth thing goes. But so far the first three have been, well, the first one was obviously I was a nerve nervous wreck. Um, due to the timing of everything, I had to go alone. Nobody could accompany me, which is fine. I I don't need somebody there to hold my hand. It's just, you know, I was still pretty much newly out. I was only living full time for, I think at that point, four ish months, three and change months. So, you know, living in the world as, as a woman was still pretty new. So, and that this, this procedure was nothing I'd ever done. I mean, I talked to people, I read stuff, but I'd never experienced it. So yeah, nerves on a lot of different things. Um, and the number one reason I was nervous is because you can't have anything on your face. The only thing you can have on your face is a sunscreen or moisturizer with sunscreen. And if you choose to, the individual patient chooses to, they could use an anesthetic cream uh, an hour or two or three before the um, appointment to desensitize the area. And since I'm a wuss on pain, I'll admit it, always have been. I mean, I deal with it, but I don't like it. Um, I said, give it to me. Give me the, uh, let me have it. And so I've been using that on during my sessions, or before my sessions, rather. Plus, you have to have a minimum of 24 hours worth of time from your previous shaving Oh, uh, up to, I think, 36 hours is the most ideal, or 48 hours. No more than that, because it becomes too long, and, and it just doesn't... Uh, it becomes more painful, because essentially the entire follicle uh, heats up. You know, the, the electric zap hits the entire hair follicle. So the longer the hair, the more pain. So being that it had been about 24, 26 and a half, 27 hours since my first shave on my first appointment, very self-conscious of how I looked. And I've mentioned that in previous episodes about how I just don't like my hair. Um, It's a very masculine giveaway. Um, Anytime when I first started cross-dressing, I would make sure that it was the smoothest shave I could ever get. And I layered on the foundation. And when I say layered on the foundation, I mean stage makeup. Um, 
for those that haven't heard in the previous episodes, my background is in theater. So I've got a, a good understanding of how uh, theater makeup and street makeup, for the most part, work in the sense of highlight shadows, cover up, etc. How you can use makeup to change the shape and look of your face theatrically. Uh, so when I first started cross-dressing, I piled that on. And, and I, in hindsight, I looked like a clown. But, you know, hey, it's a learning process. We all go through that. Um, and so without that mask, without that cover, <laughs> see what I did there? I, I cover as in cover up makeup and cover as in hiding behind it. Um, very self-conscious. And it's not like my facial hair is dark, dark, and it's not like I have a heavy growth. But for me, it's enough. And, and really, unless you're standing, you know, a couple feet from me, um, talking to me, looking at my face, you, you, could, you don't notice it from a distance. And um, it took me a while to understand that and come to terms with that. But uh, that first appointment, uh, just a nervous wreck. You know, am I going to be uh, red? Am I, gonna, am I not passing? You know, there's a ton, tons of terms as to how you could be called out of your preferred gender. And so just nervous wreck, uh, always looking over my shoulder, seeing if I'm being stared at or anything. And mind you, the rest of me looked feminine. I had, I think I had uh, either a skirt or shorts on or capris or something. I don't remember. Flip flops. Um, probably had my nails colored of some sort. Don't remember specifically. But um, the anesthetic that I mentioned, it gives a weird shine or sheen to your skin. And so it draws even more attention to your face. So, yeah, I was a nervous wreck. Um, however, on, while we're on that note, however, it was a great um, uh, learning curve. You know, I wasn't called out. Nobody pointed a finger. Nobody laughed. Nobody said anything. And, and that was great. And so now back to the appointment. I'm sitting in the waiting room waiting for them to call my name. And they called my name. And I went back in. And, um, the lady, the nurse was lovely. She was a sweetheart. And, uh, during my consultation, they'd already explained and showed me what is going to be happening. So I already knew, but I didn't know the feeling. So lie down on the table, put on the special uh, sunglasses. So your eyes are protected from the laser and they started. Now there's different lasers out there for laser hair. And the one that this location uses is a, uh, a hot cold tip, meaning in the same instrument that the nurse is holding, a laser comes out and then a cooling, they call it a tip, but it's really like a flat surface that they kind of rub over the uh, area. It's all in one. It's all in one. Whereas other locations will actually use two separate uh, instruments. One is the laser, one is the cooling tip. So I, I feel that I lucked out with the, the two in one. And so it was a weird sensation. Um, first, you felt the, uh, the zap, and I'll describe that in a moment. And then you felt this cool tip immediately over it. So I guess if you could imagine if you burnt your finger and then immediately, I mean, immediately, not run to the freezer and grab it, but immediately put ice on it or cold water. Or, and now I know that this is not the way to treat a burn, I'm trying to use it as an example. So don't think that I treat burns this way because I don't. Um, I, I follow the rules and put it under running cold water for, they say five minutes, but now that we're in a drought in, in California, yeah, you got to fudge your way. So an ice bath is usually the way I treat a burn, but I don't get burned that often. But uh, how did I get off on this tangent? Well, stream of consciousness. Dun, da, da, da. Anyhow, um, so you imagine this, uh, this, you burn your finger and then immediately put it uh, in, in an ice bath or on a piece of ice or something like that. So you get the immediate hot and the immediate cold. It's the only way I can really say how it feels. And now the zap. Uh, the best way that I can say that it feels the best way, well, maybe not the best way. That's not a good choice of words, Sabrina. Um, the easiest way I can describe the zap is, for those of you who have had tattoos, and I have... I have two small ones myself in non-obvious areas. Um, but that initial uh, uh, what's the, of, the, of the needle of, of a tattoo, when, when it first starts to go on your skin, you get that little ooh shock and then your endorphins kick in and you, the, the pain subsides a little bit. Well, imagine that the endorphins don't kick in. 
and that the zap is the same intensity every part of the area that you're getting treated. For me, it's my face and neck. I don't, I mean, I don't need to waste time and money on my legs. I don't mind shaving my legs. I don't mind shaving my arms. You know, it's, it's something to deal with. The biggest area for me is my face because I just get tired of shaving my face, mostly because of the abrasion. Um, I can't shave every day or else my face feels just raw. And so I can go usually about 48 hours before I totally feel that I absolutely need to shave in order to be um, presentable, we'll say. I don't necessarily need it, but internally I do. So it's that initial zap. Oh, and for those that don't have tattoos and have no desire to get tattoos, um, imagine a uh, static electricity zap. Now you walk across a carpet and you reach for a door handle and right on your finger. Um, or somebody walks up to you and touches you on the arm and ow, you know, whatever it is. Everybody knows electronic, uh, static electricity. It's imagine one of the more intense ones, not the little tiny ones. Um, and not the big ones where you're like in pain for uh, what? Two minutes, roughly. Um, one of those where it smarts for a good 10 seconds or so. That's the, that's the zap that it feels like. And it, it gets pretty intense. In fact, so much so I have to, at certain times, probably twice, maybe three times during the entire treatment, ask the uh, nurse to say, okay, hold on a second. <laughs> let's, let's breathe for a moment. Because it just, it just, it hurts. And in the three sessions, I've noticed that the larger, thicker, coarser hair hurts more than thinner, finer hair. Uh, also, the darker hair hurts less than the lighter hair. And, uh, and, uh, oh, I guess I should mention this with laser hair removal. It, it doesn't work for everybody. You have to be quote unquote, an ideal candidate. Your skin needs to be on the lighter side and your hair needs to be on the darker side. The darker the hair, the lighter the skin, the better combination it is. It's just the way laser, the laser light works. So for those with darker skin, laser hair may not be a uh, option and electrolysis is the only option. Or if you happen to have a lot of uh, gray in the area that you need, that you're treating. The gray may not be affected. The gray probably will have to be used um, or removed with uh, electrolysis. So, or just continue shaving it. Um, another downside is whatever area you're having treated, you can't pluck. You have to shave. Shaving is okay. Plucking is not. And that's based on the way that the hair grows because it grows in, uh, I believe it's a six to eight week cycle. And there's three cycles, if I remember correctly. And if somebody out there knows better, send me a message on the Facebook page, send me an email, correct me, or just do a Google search and you'll find out the right answers. I'm going off the top of my head. Anyhow, um, so logically you would think that the first treatment would be the most painful. And then as time goes on, the pain should lessen because they're removing and, you know, treating the hair. Well, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> boy, was I absolutely wrong. The first one was okay. wasn't too bad. Um, it stung, but not, not too bad. The second one, wow. The second one hurt a lot. Um, and for me personally, it was the hair on my uh, neck, neck and throat area that hurt more so than anything else on my, on my face. Uh, a couple on the chin, a couple on the cheek, but as far as the area predominantly, my throat and neck. Um, and, uh, oh, another way that it could be described, the pain, the zap is if, uh, you know, you take a, a rubber band and you kind of snap it against your skin. Um, and I mean, skin that's uh, sensitive, not, not, not like, a you know, a calloused area or something, but, uh, you know, some sensitive skin, like the inside of your arm, maybe, um, where you go ow, and it smarts for you know, what, two minutes or less. Um, and no, no marks, you know, you don't, you don't, I'm not saying snap a rubber band and you get a red mark for, you know, half a day or a day or whatever. I'm saying, you know, it's a mild case of snapping that rubber band, but in the moment, Oh Christ, it hurts. And, uh, the problem is, is you can't really move because, you know, they got a laser up to your face. And so you just kind of have to bear with it. And that's when I started saying, okay, hold on, let's take a moment. And they give me 30 seconds or a minute and then we continue on. And the whole treatment, the whole face treatment takes, oh, 
10 minutes maybe, maybe a little less, maybe a little more, somewhere in there. So usually the lo- <laughs> when I go to have a treatment, usually the longest time is waiting in the waiting room. <laughs> Once I'm in the treatment room, it feels like it's in and out. But sitting in the waiting room is the longest waiting time. Um, and so now, you know, have I noticed any changes? Well, actually, before I get into that, um, after this, the, uh, the treatment, you have to, um, you can't exfoliate for 48 hours and you can't shave for 24. So now mind you, (laughs) I'm 24 hours in when I have the treatment. And by the time I can shave again, I'm 48 hours after shaving. So you can imagine that I am just itching and dying to get this hair off my face. And usually within the first 10 days to 14 days, I notice a huge difference. When I get closer to my next appointment is when I notice, well, neither little to no change, or some of the areas are, are, are not as dense. That's the easiest way I can say it. Um, uh, I, after my third appointment, I can say, which is halfway through, I, I ended up getting a six, uh, treatment set or six session group on. And, uh, I am slightly disappointed that I don't see more results after my third treatment. Um, the mustache, the upper lip mustache area is, um, uh, still, well, it's not dense, but there's still more hair there than I expected to be. Uh, same thing on my throat and neck, where I really noticed the difference is on my cheek's sideburn area. A um, couple areas in my chin, but mostly on my cheeks and sideburns. So now that I'm halfway through my you know, pre-prayed treatments, it's looking like I'm going to have to probably go through another six or so treatments in the future. Yeah, well, Groupon's out there. I'm going to be a returning customer, so hopefully there's deals that way. And that's, you know, that's just the way to do it. Um, also, when I do start HRT, which I'm hoping to happen in the next five or six months, and, and as we draw closer to that time, I'll tell you more about that. Um, but as far as I know, or as far as I know, as far as I've read and heard from other trans women, HRT does also help the uh, coarseness and roughness of the uh, hair and the hair follicles. So I am looking forward to that. And I probably won't really look into an additional session, an additional, you know, six or so sessions of HR of uh, laser hair removal until I've started HRT and I've probably been on HRT for, I don't know, a year or so or whatever. Uh, when that path happens, I'll know more about it then. Oh, and then the after treatment. Um, when, when I'm done at the session, they usually put more sunscreen on uh, mixed with hydrocortisone to uh, reduce the swelling and itching. Um, not after my first or second, but after the third session was probably the most painful in the sense of how long the pain lasted. Usually uh, after the first and second one, the pain that I experienced in the session, within 24 hours, uh, my face pretty much felt normal. Maybe a little itchy, so a little hydrocortisone, and we're fine. Um, but after the third one, it was uh, well into the second day uh, when I was like, wow, this is still tender and painful. So I guess they got more in the third time around? I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I look at my face in the mirror, and I see, I see very little change. But again, I'm not, no, I'm not really knowing what to look for in the change. I just know, you know how to treat it and uh, how to get ready for the appointment and what to do after the appointment. Um, and before I started laser hair removal, is, is, uh, I already had that uh, have to shave every, you know, every two days to, uh, to feel comfortable about my, uh, my facial hair in the sense of going out. So I had already gotten that routine down, and I'm already very comfortable with that. So I didn't have any issues in that, uh, you know, not shaving every day. And even back before I decided to transition, I never shaved every day. Again, I am one of the few that is blessed with a light beard. I could go, it, well, for those out there that understand, it would take me usually four to six weeks to have any sort of uh, facial hair that looked decent. And I'm talking sideburns, uh, goatee, full beard, uh, mustache actually always took the longest. Um, so 
I, I'm not one of those that, you know, five days and they have a full beard. And <laughs> it's kind of funny because when I was younger, um, it bothered me that I couldn't grow a thing, a beard fast enough because, you know, friends of mine could. Uh, now I'm very grateful that I can't grow a beard for, well, pretty much obvious reasons. <laughs> I've come to terms that I'm a trans woman and I don't really want a beard. So it works out. Uh, but I still have to contend with that every time I look in the mirror and every day or two when I shave. And if I do have to shave every every day, you know, based on whatever it may be, um, it's not that it's horrible, but I can really feel the irritation in my skin and I have to use extra moisturizing cream, um, before applying makeup. Uh, usually I have to put on a, a thicker, like a night cream to alleviate that irritation. So I've got workarounds for it. It's not like it's something that stops me from doing things, but it's just another step that is, you know, something to do in the life of a trans woman. I guess that's pretty much what I could say. And I think right now that's pretty much what I can say regarding uh, my experience with laser hair removal. Um, any of the listeners out there, if you've experienced laser hair removal, uh, post on the Facebook page or send me an email or you know get back to me. Let me know what your experience is, and uh, if it's okay to share with the uh, share on the podcast, let me know, and I will. Or more importantly, let me know not to share it, and then I won't because. Any information that comes my way from listeners, I'm going to feel, you know, pretty okay in the sense of sharing it. Again, no last names, first names only when I share it here, just so everybody keeps their anonymity and, you know, feel okay in sharing things. Hi, everybody. It's me. Of course, who else would it be? It's me. Um... (laughs) Uh, this is a, you know, I'm recording this after the fact that, you know, I recorded the bulk of episode 10, which is what you're listening to now. And then I'm recording this now because, um, well, I just had in the last 24 hours, my fourth laser hair removal session. Uh, So I figured it would be good to fill you in on a fresh memory of it. And yes, I absolutely have to agree with myself in that it feels like static electricity or a rubber band being snapped against the skin. The, the big difference is the fact that it goes just under the skin, um, not quite on top. And that's the biggest difference in the sense of a static electricity shock versus laser hair removal. Um, I also, in this session, put on a, a little thicker um, amount of the anesthetic cream that I use. And I did notice a difference um, where I noticed more pain was along the edges of uh, of where it was. So like the over by my ears, down at the bottom of my throat, around my lips, just underneath my nose, those areas where um, it may not have gotten on as, as thick as the bulk of the area, you know, like my cheek or my chin or, or my upper lip. Um, those areas were a little more painful, as well as um, some of the thicker, coarser hair it was also um, a little more painful. Um, I also noticed that my skin feels a lot drier. Um, so I've been using a little more hydrocortisone cream than I did the last three times. Um, it could also be the weather. Um, who knows? <laughs> Lots of factors in that. But that's what it feels like to me. And so, yeah, I, that, that's where I would uh, say it is. And... It's not a horrible process, but it does have some pain to it. And the best thing I can say to anybody else out there that's going through it, um, just think of the end results. Um, it's time-consuming. It's a long process because you may have to go back for multiple sessions, etc., like I've mentioned in this episode. But think of that end result. Think of what it's going to mean you know, two, three, four, five, ten years down the road. And so that's the thought that I keep running through my mind as I'm laying on the table being zapped. <laughs> so anyway, that's the freshest memory I can give to you guys. And uh, second part of this supplemental that I want to throw out your way. And I didn't mention this in episode 9 or 10, mostly because I was still recovering. I was still kind of sick. And I'm feeling much better now, by the way. I, w- I wouldn't say I'm 100%. I'd say I'm 95.6% <laughs> better. Percent better. Um, 
the uh, the thing I, I forgot to mention, really, because I wanted to mention it when I was thinking of, oh, and when this time of year comes around, I want to mention it. And that is uh, November 20th, which is the International Transgender Day of Remembrance. And if you're not familiar with what that is, um, just Google it, YouTube it, Facebook it. There's tons of information out there. Check with your local LGBT center. You'll get tons of info on it. But in a nutshell... And what it is, it's an international day for everybody to honor those who have lost their lives, those trans people who, is lo- who have lost their lives um, only because they happen to be trans. And so it, uh, this is the first year where I've you know, obviously been open about my trans status. And so it's hitting me a little harder than it did last year, even though I'd only come out like, what, almost two months prior. Um, so, so, um, if you haven't really thought about it, let's together take, I don't know, five, 10 seconds of silence here and just think about what it means. Think of all the people who have lost their lives. So we can be who we are today. I can be doing what I'm doing today, sharing with you on this podcast and being open about my uh, trans status as I, as I, uh, go about my life. Um, and it, uh, it saddens me because it's so many people had to, had to lose their lives for people like myself could live authentically. And I just, I just hope that the future changes and, and I have a feeling that it will, but I'm recording this, you know, now <laughs> 2014. So let's take that silence and just think about what it means. And of course, since this is a podcast, silence is not going to be absolute silence. I'll throw some music in here somewhere. So, um, I hope I hope you had a chance to reflect wherever you are listening to this, and um, if it affected you, send me a message through the Facebook page or an email or however you want to get in touch with me, um, and let's let's have some dialogue because I'm curious what other people, listeners, feel about uh, Transgender Day of Remembrance and how it affects you. And if you're a trans woman uh, like myself, I feel that it affects us probably a little more because a majority of those who have lost their lives happen to be trans women. There are trans men that have lost their lives, but more so trans women. That's just the fucked up way of culture and society. But whatever. (laughs) Um, So let me know what you thought about that. And now um, back to the rest of the program. going to try something new with this episode. We're on episode 10, double digits. So I said, you know, I need to uh, bring a, a new aspect to the show. Just something something new, something to keep you guys coming back and listening for more. Um, and uh, you may or may not be uh, aware of uh, the trans 30-day challenge. There's a lot of 30-day challenges out there, uh, mostly on Facebook or blogs, where you take a photo every day or you you know, what makes me happy every day or whatever the case may be. Well, Google search 30 day trans challenge, and I'm going to do it as 30 episodes. Every, every episode, I'll answer the next question. So first question that they ask is when did you realize the term transgender referred to you? And it, you know, it's very strange timing because uh, the term transgender didn't really start in our culture till about Oh, 15, 15 years or so ago, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. And I've been searching for answers to why I feel different since, 
since my teens. I mean, really actively looking in the early 20s, but uh, knowing I was different, looking for answers, trying to find you know something to understand myself better since my mid-teens. And the term transgender wasn't around. You'd never heard of it. And so the only, and the internet wasn't around. Well, let me, let me take that back. The internet was around, but it wasn't like we know today. Um, anybody that's 30 years old or older is going to know exactly what I'm talking about. In fact, maybe some people around 25 might as well. But the only way to get on the internet was through um, communities like AOL or Prodigy or uh, CompuServe or, or, or other direct dial message boards. That was the internet, dial-up modems. And if you don't know what a dial-up modem is, well, one, be grateful. <laughs> and if you do know what a dial-up modem is, then you feel my pain. <laughs> but uh, that's just, wow. You know what's crazy to think about is that was only, well, 15, 20 years ago that we had that. And now we have wireless, we have smartphones. It's, to me, the advancement in technology in just that short period of time is amazing. But besides the point, um, so I was looking for information and answers from the beginning, from my first AOL account till, well, now, really. And the only information I could find was regarding, well, really, I mean, there was other terms, but the three main terms were cross-dresser, transvestite, transsexual. And the, the, uh, the definitions, and here's something really interesting, in that time from my learning what those three terms were and are till now, the definitions of those terms have changed. Back when I was first looking, the term of cross-dresser meant uh, usually, this is rule of thumb, this isn't the end-all be-all, usually a straight male who dresses behind closed doors with or without a partner. And the partner could be, you know, a man or a woman or another cross-dresser or whatever. doesn't matter. That's sexual orientation, which is totally different from gender identity. So, so that was the definition then. A transvestite back then usually meant uh, a man who, in his work or professional life, portrayed as a male, and then in his personal life, family life, portrayed as a female. So, you know, imagine the person, nine to five, comes home, changes clothes, goes out to the club as a woman. Or, you know, maybe they're living with a man and they take on the feminine role. I mean, the, the gambit is out there, but that was the definition I was given or could find back then. And then transsexual. And uh, the, the easiest way that they described transsexual back then was... Uh, a woman living in the body of a man and who sought medical intervention to correct a birth defect. And I used air quotes on the words birth defect because that's just the easiest way they could describe it back in the late, uh, well, not late, but well, yeah, late eighties, early nineties. Um, and now you, you, I don't, I'm not going to bring it up here, but you go out and search the terms. You'll still find those definitions, but you'll see that there's a lot more behind it. So, when I was searching for answers, those were the answers I found. Well, I sure as shit did not feel like a transsexual, a woman born in a wrong body trying to correct it. Didn't feel that way. Kind of felt that way, but not quite. Transvestite. Well, I knew by that definition I wasn't a transvestite because I wasn't working as a male, coming home, changing, and living life as a female. Um, although there was a part of me that kind of desired that. Um, but I just, I, fear and anxiety stopped me from doing. So I had to stick with the term cross-dresser and I stuck with that for 20 something years. Um, I do know that in my searching for answers, uh, I came across two television shows that I taped on VHS and that's dating me. So if you don't understand that, Wow, you need a history lesson. <laughs> You'll figure it out. But if uh, I'm pretty sure most people know that. And uh, one of the shows was an episode of People's Court, which was one of the very first courtroom drama afternoon TV shows. Uh, and now there are so many. Well, maybe not now, but you know, since that point, there have been so many out there. And uh, on this particular episode of the People's Court, uh, the trans, and this was transsexual, transsexual woman, 
was uh, fighting for custody for her kids or something along those lines. And I, I, one scene that still stands out in my mind is the transsexual woman and her ex-wife talking outside the court about, um, you know, let me have the kids, let me, you know, how can you do this to me? Um, I have a right, things like that. And if I remember correctly, the court sided with the transsexual woman. Um, I, I, I didn't Google it to try to look up the information. If you, if you have the time and energy, go for it. <laughs> it's out there. And the other TV show was an episode of Night Court. And here's a funny thing. They're both court shows. One more realistic and one's a sitcom, but both court shows. Kind of weird. Anyway, uh, this episode of Night Court, I don't have the season and I don't have the episode number because I just didn't feel like wasting the time to go find it. But on this particular episode, a friend of the character of Dan, who was played by John Larroquette, um, a college friend or something like that, had uh, had transitioned and was now a transsexual woman and was you know seeking to make amends with uh, with Dan and uh, you know let them know that they were you know still friends or whatever and uh, Dan had a hard time coming to terms with it and I don't remember what uh, the the ins and outs of the story but by the end of it the transsexual woman decked Dan <laughs> and Dan was beaten up by a woman eh, okay. It was a situation comedy that tried to show a transsexual in, in a good light. Um, and then as a second story, the character of Bull was trying to understand what a transsexual was. And, uh, and that was the lighthearted story. That was to keep the show light and funny. And at the very end of the episode, uh, Harry Anderson's character um, used paper doll cutouts uh, to... Uh, Basically, one looked like a woman, one looked like a man, and Harry took a pair of scissors and cut off the legs of both and then switched the lower half to to both and used a stapler to fix it. And then Bull had this, you know, look of, oh, I get it, and then the episode ended. Um, good episode, fun episode. Of course, I've always loved Night Court, but that's neither here nor there. But those two episodes, uh, as far as television goes were my first exposure to um, something that wasn't in, in text form. Because before that, it was either internet or limited internet or the library. And even in the library, I found the standard definitions I mentioned a few minutes ago. Um, so in searching for the answers, that's all I could find. And it wasn't until probably a year or so before I came out. So we're looking somewhere between 2011, 2012, because I came out in 2013. Somewhere in there is when uh, I really connected with the term transgender. But I remember the term transgender uh, coming into vernacular and, and pop culture oh, sometime in the early 2000s, somewhere between 2000, 2005. And even then... They used it with the ED at the end, transgendered, which we have decided, we as a culture have decided that it's not the correct term, doesn't describe the person. And, you know, I, I, I don't need to, to go into that. I've done it before. It's out there on the internet. You can find that yourself. The term is transgender, not transgendered. Anyhow, um, so that's when I first came to, to understand the term transgender. And really, as soon as I learned about it, is when I identified with it. So, you know, to answer the question, when did it apply to me? Well, as soon as I learned about it, because I identified with it before it was a term. <laughs> so, you know, had it been a term when I was 20, 21, I would have identified with it then. As soon as it became part of our culture, I identified with it. And so there's my answer for the first question of the trans 30-day challenge. If you'd like to answer, post something on the Facebook. All right, here we have listener feedback. The first listener feedback goes to a friend of mine who I know locally here in San Diego, Paul last initial N as in nose. Um, thanks so much for listening, Paul. It means a lot. Um, I hope that, uh, 
I hope that you're enjoying the show and uh, I hope it's, I hope it's helping you in whatever you need. One feedback thing I want to give is I've been asked, why am I doing this podcast? Why are you doing this? Um, well, the obvious is to blog or journal my journey, my transition. It's just a way to, 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 to log it, you know, and share it. A lot of people use blogs or videos. I'm using a podcast. Um, I'm sharing my story in the hopes that it reaches others for, for them to come to terms with whatever their life is. Because all my life, I was trying to find balance in this thing that made me feel different. Um, and that's the key, is finding balance. Everybody, every, and when I say everybody, I mean transgendered people. And transgender being an umbrella term covers cross-dressers, gender fluid, gender queer, transsexuals, transvestites, anybody that, you know, blends or, or, or blurs the gender binary. If you do that, you're transgender. So each individual has to find the balance that suits them in their lives and their lifestyle. Some transgendered people, transition is not an option because of their personal circumstances. So they have to find, you know, a weekend a month to get away from whatever their family life is so they can express their um, transgender side, whether they be um, female to male or male to female. It's finding that balance. And there is no wrong answer. If the balance works for the individual, then you've succeeded, whatever that is whether it be full transition or the weekend getaway or the, you know, twice a year getaway, whatever it is. Um, so I'm sharing my story so people can help find the balance in their lives. Uh, another reason I'm doing the podcast is it satisfies my creative side. I've mentioned before, I've got a theater background. I love to be creative and, you know, it's, it's not all episodes, but some episodes have some really creative sound mixes and things like that. Check out episode six from, uh, uh, Halloween, and you'll, you'll, you'll understand a greater idea of what I'm talking about. And another reason I'm sharing it this way is because I've always been one of those people that, you know, when you're driving in your car alone, you kind of talk to yourself, you think out loud sort of thing. And so that's what this does for me is, uh, is I just kind of talk out loud. That's why I call this a stream of consciousness, uh, podcast. Cause I'll go off on tangents and hopefully I'll reel myself back in <laughs> or not. And Hey, that's what the episode's about. So that's, that's really why I'm doing this. And the last listener feedback I have here is an iTunes review from November 10th by the user, the iTunes username, Christina 1018. Um, uh, she wrote, Fun show from easy breezy to touchingly heartfelt. You'll always come away feeling better and looking forward to the next podcast episode. Well, Christina 1018, thank you. You're the first review on iTunes and what a great review. I, 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 what more to say? What more can I say to that? Except thank you so much for taking the time to do that. And, um, uh, if you don't know why it's important to rate and review on iTunes specifically is it helps the show get noticed. Um, it, 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 they're new and noteworthy or, you know, podcasts you should listen to, or if you look at podcasts and other listeners listen to, that's how that happens by giving reviews, even if it's just clicking on the five stars, or if you go as far as what Christina did and type out a review, every little bit helps. Um, on Stitcher, there's options for reviews and thumbs up and sharing on Facebook and sharing on Twitter. However you do that with Stitcher helps the show. And then, of course, there's the blog spot where the show is published. Anything you do there also helps. Anything you can do to share the show, the Facebook page, any of it, always helps. And I'm grateful to you guys for doing that. Thank you so much. All right, next episode, I'm going to talk about my previous podcast, The Random Variety Show, why I started it, how I did it, and why I stopped doing it in the middle of doing it. <laughs> And now, as Jimmy Buffett says, if I couldn't laugh, I would just go insane. If we couldn't laugh, we would go insane. 
And if we weren't all crazy, we would go insane. Stay crazy, everyone. Time for takeout. No, I'm sorry. Outtakes. Because it had, it it did. One of the feedbacks I want to give. One of the feedbacks I want to give. Can I speak today? You've been listening to Changes in Latitudes, a transgender experience. I'd love to hear from you. So let me know what you think or what you'd like to hear about by emailing me at changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com or by leaving a comment on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash changesinlatitudespodcast or at the website changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher and please leave us reviews and star ratings. Now wait for it. Here it comes. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer I am not a doctor nor a lawyer, and I certainly do not pretend to be one. I am a trans woman who began her transition later in life. I am here to discuss my life, so I take no responsibility for your decisions based on my personal thoughts and experiences. If you are thinking about transition or are questioning your gender identity, First, please know that you are not alone in your thoughts and questions. Second, please seek the advice of a qualified gender therapist or at the very least a local support group. If you're having difficulty finding a qualified professional in your area, I suggest reaching out to the closest LGBT center near you. And lastly, please remember, always question the source when researching information on the internet. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permission from the host. Copyright 2014 by me, Sabrina Miller. Thanks for listening.